0: Is the doll I purchased from eBay actually haunted? We'll do an update on that story. And then we're going to take a look at two ghost ships of San Francisco, both with extremely different origins. Is it true that a cursed boat still sails the waters under the Golden Gate Bridge? Is it true that a boat that was cursed from construction took the lives of three of their captains? We'll set sail and find out the truth today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Quick update for those of you who don't listen to every episode. Last week, I bought a haunted doll, or the week before. I got it last week. I got it on Wednesday. Now... I bought it on eBay. It was 30 bucks for a doll that you could get at Goodwill for a quarter. And it said that these are the hauntings that it could possibly do. Open and close doors. Now, I can open and close doors. So that's not super spectacular. I can do that. It can have a woman's voice say, Hello? 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 I don't know if it echoes, but it would be creepier if it did. It can give you vivid dreams. And what was the other thing? It um, Oh, the smell of a woman's perfume make make your house smell like a woman's been there so i got the doll on wednesday night no to the doors open and closing unless i'm doing them of course (laughs) i'm like why won't this door open i have to use veronica i should take veronica around and use her as like a garage door opener and just squeak her because she has a little you know i'm gonna here i'm gonna get her squeaky real quick okay so i'm holding veronica right now here we go it's one of those types of toys I think for the thumbnail for this episode I'll take I'll tell you this the eyes are really spooky. The eyes are really spooky. It's kind of scuffed up. That's Veronica talking. <laughs> now, again, uh, the only doors that have been opening and closing are the ones that I do. I haven't heard a woman's voice say hello. I usually go, "What's up?" Cuz it's 2019. It, 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 the ghost should get with, How come there aren't any ghosts that are be like, "What's up, dog?" What was the other thing? Oh, it smells like a woman's perfume. No, when I squeeze it, I get a little bit of a weird, musty smell from her. So let's go to the last one, Vivid Dreams. It was the... It's funny. That was the one when I was reading what she was capable of doing from the eBay listing. I go, Vivid Dreams. Because those are the easiest thing to misinterpret as anything paranormal. Now, since I got Veronica, I have been having the most vivid dreams. The other night, I woke up, and my hands were, like, typing like I was on a keyboard, and I was going, Minnesota. Have to find Minnesota. And that's what woke me up. The night before, I had an incredibly vivid nightmare that I jumped up after I woke up, and I was writing down notes. I was like, this would make a good story. So the dreams have been crazy lately. They've really been crazy this past week. So is Veronica responsible for them? You know, back in my early 20s... I lived with this girl. She was going to UC Davis, and I needed a place to stay. And through a really bizarre setup, like, okay, so she had two roommates that didn't like her at all, and they needed to leave for the summer, but they couldn't do something with their lease or whatever. They couldn't take their names off the lease. So they went onto a roommate finder website, found me, and then said, oh, yeah, you can rent the room. You'll just pay us and da-da-da-da-da. They then told my friend, let's call her, let's call her Blake. They tell Blake, oh, yeah, we know this guy. We've known him since high school. He's a really cool guy. I go, the very first day I'm moving in, we go out to dinner. And she goes, so, uh, how well do you know so-and-so? And I was like, oh, I've never met him in my life. Like, I just rented an apartment from them. Oh, she was so mad. She didn't know if she was housed with a lunatic. And she found out in a short while that she was. <laughs> So, me and Blake hung out, we lived together, it was really cool, but it was technically a dorm, so whenever the house marm, uh, the resident dean person at the school, would come around, I would have to leave, I'd have to clean all my stuff up, which was quite the task, and leave for the day, so they wouldn't know that there was a non-college student male living at this, it was like off-campus dorms type of thing. Anyways, one day, I had this towel that I took a shower with as you do and then I threw it in the corner of the room fast forward three months and I had not cleaned that corner of the room and the towel had grown this large globulous tubular mold chunk it would have to be at least five six no it was longer than that it's probably like eight inches long of this it looked like a gooey sweet potato and the roots were actually like bound in with the fibers of the towel and I was like, oh, man, I really don't want to go out and buy it. Now, I was using another towel at the time. I still wasn't using this one. But I don't like having to buy new stuff if I don't have to. So I showed Blake. I was like, dude, isn't this disgusting? She's like, yeah, that's super gross. Now, to be fair, she was super gross, too. So it wasn't too out of the norm for this apartment. But I said, let's see if we can wash it off. Let's take it to the laundromat, the laundromat in the facility. And we'll wash it and see if the mold just kind of flies off of it, apparently. So we do, we throw it in the washing machine, we go out, we're hanging out, we come back, it's probably like a Friday night, I remember that, it was a Friday or a Saturday night, it was a party night. We go back to the laundromat, pop open the washing machine, I pull the towel out, and it's still on there. For some reason, I thought that it would just tumble off in the washing cycle. So I pull out the towel and I was like, well, that's I have to guess I have to get a new towel. So I'll have two towels now. I never (laughs) wash my I use the same towel over and over again. It's whatever people get really like it's water. And so and then I wash my body with the towel and put my towel up on the towel rack. Right. And then the next day I use it again and you go, Jason, why don't you wash it? To my answer is, how do you wash a towel? With water and soap. So I'm just cutting out the middle man. I am the middleman. My body is literally the middle man between the soap and the water transactions each day. Anyways, so, take the towel, and I rip off the tubular mold. I'm all... Herculean strength. Blake's like, ooh, my hero. I didn't know you were so strong you could defeat microorganisms that have formed a colony. I'm like, yes, yes I can, little lady. Through the towel away. Now, I'm walking through the laundromat with this huge chunk of gooey mold. And as we're walking through the laundromat, I'm looking in dryers. Because, you know, they have the big windows. I'm looking at the dryer, and I walk by the next one. I look at the dryer, and I walk by the next one. I look at the dryer, and I stop. I open up the dryer, and I throw the mold <laughs> into the dryer. And you go, well, okay, wait, there's multiple things I have questions about here. One Why did you do that, too? Why did you pick that particular dryer? And again, number one's the most important question. Well, I'll get to number one in a second. I was looking for a dryer that had a lot of clothes in it. A lot of clothes in it. A lot of, like, nice clothes. And I open up the dryer, and I throw the tubular mold in, and I shut the dryer. And Blake stops, and she looks at me, and she goes, Why did you do that? And I just look over, and I go, just kind of shrug my shoulders and said, I just wanted to ruin some girls' night. And we walked out. Now, I imagine at some point, this young woman came to get her clothes. This is a totally true story, by the way. At some point in the night, a young woman came to get her clothes before she went out for the weekend, for the night. She opened up. She grabbed all of her clothes, scooped them into a laundry basket, took them back to her apartment. And as she began folding them, or most likely dumping them on her bed to sort out later... Big, gooey, living mass of mold just tumbled out next to her shirt and her pants. The reason why I tell you that story, one, because I think it's hilarious, and two, because if you came across that as a person, as a human being, if you were doing your laundry and you found a disgusting thing in it that wasn't there when you put the laundry in the, in the dryer. Your mind would be racing, it would be looking for an explanation. First off, what is this? Secondly, where did it come from? And again, first off, what is this? Like, you would really, really be trying to, it would really mess with your head. And you would never know the answer. You would never be able to figure that out. Because at no point would you think someone must have thrown this in there. Somebody must have cultivated a... If it was a candy wrapper, you'd figure someone threw it in there. But because it was this giant chunk of mold, I had never seen anything like it. Okay? So... And I'm disgusting. So if I hadn't seen anything like it, somebody who's not disgusting, it would have been as if they opened up their dryer and E.T. was sitting in there. It would have been completely alien. So... That must have tormented that young woman. Now, it's possible that she didn't even care. It's possible she took a bite out of it and she goes, I hunger. And she, like, eats mold. Of course. But there, if it happened to me, I would tell that story to people for a while. I'd be like, dude, you want to hear something weird? One day I was doing laundry. Assuming I'm not disgusting. Let's say I'm you. Let's say I'm you and I'm doing my laundry and, and I'm assuming you're not disgusting. And something gross jumps out of the dryer. I would go... There's no way this could have happened. Like, and people would be like, someone might have thrown it in there. And I go, what madman would throw this on my clothes at random? So it would be what we would call an unexplained event. You would have theories. You would go, maybe it came out of the dryer. Maybe it was in your clothes to begin with, and which would make you super petrified about what was going on in your house. Maybe someone threw it in there, but then the question become, who, why, and what is it? It would be an unexplained event. It would be something that someone may post on Reddit. That happened like 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, honestly. But it would be something someone would post on Reddit, you know, weird things found in your laundry. Some girl's like, well, you know what, I went to UC Davis, dot, dot, dot. The reason why I bring this up is because it ties back to the Veronica story. There is a key piece of information that is tied into the Veronica story... Just like there was a key piece of information about why that unexplained event happened to that woman's laundry. You see, in the past week as well, I have stopped taking the nicotine lozenges, because I'm just tired. One, they were expensive. Two, they were messing with my keto. And three, I was taking way too many of them. And I said, okay, it's time to get off nicotine for good. So I'm stepping down using the patch, which has been a fairly easy transition, but... For those of you who have ever tried giving up nicotine, and for those of you specifically who have used the patch, they give vivid dreams. Vivid, vivid dreams. So by simply having that extra piece of information, oh, there is a rational explanation for you to have those vivid dreams. And I think that's w- one thing we always got to look at. It's I've, I feel like I'm becoming even more skeptical doing this show because I'll read stuff and I'll go, there's information missing... That I know isn't true. Lana recently sent me the story about... the. There's a spate of cattle mutilations going on in Oregon. And Lana sent it to me. And she goes, I thought this would be right up your alley. And my response was, I don't believe it. Like, I don't believe when they keep saying... All the blood is drained from the cows. All of it. I go, that's that's just not true. That's 100% not true. What happens is you're coming across the scene. And there's no blood at the scene. So... There's no blood. I mean, are they literally going through every single vein and artery and organ in the body and discover, Up, oh, nope, it looks like parchment down there. It's completely dry. There's not a single drop. No, that's not true. There's less blood in the body than should be, and there's less blood at the scene than there should be. But I can't go there to verify it. I just know from studying cattle mutilations, you hear these terms, there's no blood in the body. When we look at the original news reports, they'll say there's no blood at the scene. So, when we lack the information to really look at it objectively, we are missing a key point. Just like how I omitted that detail on purpose that I had recently quit the lozenges, I'm on the patch, I'm having, those are both will cause side effects of very vivid dreams. At the same time, I got a doll that causes vivid dreams. You gotta have all the information, just like that young woman who's probably in a mental hospital in Davis, she's like, no, no. Not that night again. She's like, we'll never go near another dryer. She's hand washing all of her clothes. And just stands guard with a shotgun. She didn't have all the information. To her, that was a gross, unexplained event. If she had all the information, she would realize there was just a maniac. A gross, disgusting man hiding out in her off-campus dorms. Let's go ahead and move on to our... That was the story. That was the first story. A little Veronica the Doll update. Let's go ahead and move on to this next story. Now... And I'll keep you updated on Veronica the Doll as well. I guess the moral of that story is we got to have all the information. Now, these next two stories are kind of weird because they're very, very basic ghost stories. But I'll be honest, man, I broke my back looking into these things. You know what? Let's do a very, very quick Dead Rabbit recommends here, too. Let's do a quick one here. This is probably one of my favorite horror movies. And I'm going to say right off the bat, it has probably one of the dumbest killer motivations I've ever seen. And I watch a ton of these B-slasher movies. There's a group of sorority girls named Theta Pi. Do or die Theta Pi. They're sisters for life. Sisters keep secrets. But recently, one of their brothers was like feeling up a girl who was drunk and they wanted to like get back at him and and show him how that's not cool. So, So they pull a prank. And they make him think that he accidentally... Cause this girl to overdose. The girl's in on it. And they do this whole thing where they drive out to this abandoned well. And they're like, we're going to dump the body now. And you got to keep your mouth shut. Billy or whatever his name was. you got to keep your mouth shut. And they're all giggling and laughing. And this kid is drunk and he's high. And he's overwrought with guilt. Because he thinks that this girl that he was trying to make out with overdosed on a drug he gave her. And while they're debating how far they're going to take this plan. He picks up a tire iron and stabs her in the throat. And so kills her for real. And so they have to reveal, oh, it's just a joke, it was just a joke, it was just a joke. And then they do have to uh, drop her body in the abandoned well and take an oath of secrecy. Data Pie, do or die, sisters always keep secrets. The movie's called Sorority Row, and it's funny because it's such a basic setup for a horror movie. It's actually a remake of a 70s horror movie. But the directing is phenomenal for this type of movie. It's not Dunkirk, but... There's, there are just beautiful shots in the movie. The cinematography's on point. The acting is good. And the women are gorgeous, which is always a good selling point. The deaths are really inventive. Really enjoy that. And there's a level of tension throughout the movie because that's how the movie starts. So even when they're not being stalked by a killer, there's this level of tension because we jump ahead a year and these girls have been living with the secret for this whole time. So they're, you're trying to figure out who's going to break. Like, who's going to act? Because it's weighing on all of them. They're getting ready to graduate now. And, of course, a serial killer shows up with a tire iron. And it's one of those tire irons. It's like a cross. So it's like, has the four. It's like a cross. You know, you know what a cross looks like? And the killer has tricked it out. So, like, one side has a blade and the other side has, like, a saw. And then the one part has a drill. And the dude's, like, throwing it like a ninja star and using it to break down the... Do- it's a really inventive horror movie, and it racks up quite the potty count. I'm recommending this one because, one, it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Two, a lot of the horror movies I've recommended for Halloween, they're very, like, movies you want to sit down and watch. Sorority Row is a movie you can have on the background at a party. You can have it on the background. It's just a funny, it's a very well-written horror movie. The ending... The, the killer's motivation is one of the worst killer motivations I've ever seen. However, the third act is still really good. The third act is still on point. Like once they reveal the killer motivation, I remember I was watching that with Lana and she goes, that's terrible. And I was like, yeah, I know. But the next 15 minutes are still really cool. And she's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it does end well because then you have this kind of set piece after you find out who the killer is. One of the worst killer motivations on record. However, other than that, it doesn't completely sink the movie because the movie's that good. Any other movie would have completely destroyed it. Sorority Row. Check it out. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on with our tale of ghost ships. Our Wait, there's no world on a ghost ship. What would the ghost... You'd hear that ding, 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 ding. Like the little bell in the fog and then the... that's That's either a ghost boat going through San Francisco Bay or a rocking chair knocking over a glass of water. It's your decision. Let's start off with the story of the Squando. So, the ghost story is this. There was a Norwegian ship named Squando. And from the very beginning, it was cursed. What happened was a couple people died building the boat, which... That must be difficult. Like, how do you die building a boat? You're like, oh, no, I fell off into the soft stuff called water. And then you just swim back on the boat. It's not like building a dam where you're like falling like two miles to your death or getting trapped in concrete or anything like that. It's you fall. And I get that boats can be high, but still. But well, what happened? Did you get your timbers too shivered? How do you die building a boat? Anyways, like eight people died building this boat. So I don't know if they were building it out of Ebola or what. But anyways, one of the wives of one of the dudes who died said, I curse this boat. She's like spitting on the boat. She's like, I curse it. And then to make the curse stick, she kills herself. So very, very bleak beginning to the story of the squando. In 1890, it's parked at the Embarcadero in San Francisco. And the captain finds out that his first mate is banging his wife. And so he goes... Okay, wife, I'm going to murder you, unless you help me murder this dude you're sleeping with. And she goes, oh, yeah, totally down with the whole murder plot. Don't kill me. So she holds the dude down, and the captain jumps on top of him and cuts his head off with a hatchet. They throw the head into a bucket. throw I don't know why. We'll get into that. Throw the body overboard. They go on the run. Eventually, the other people on the boat are like, hey, where's our captain? Hey, where's our first mate? Hey, what's in this bucket? Ah! They call the cops. The cops find the couple. And the couple is executed for their crime. And the boat is still a boat. So they get a new captain. The company buys the boat or however boats work. I think a company owns the boat and they hire a captain. Anyways, they go, we still got this boat. They hire a new captain. On the first journey, the crew mutinies, kills the captain. So they have to get a new captain. And they have to get a new crew because no one wants to work with those guys. They get a new captain, new crew. That captain dies under mysterious circumstances. They get a new captain. That captain dies as well. At that point, it's in Bathurst in New Brunswick, which I believe is up in Canada. And they go, no one wants to work on the boat. Nobody wants to work on the boat. So when the company's trying to figure out what to do with the boat, they have to hire these guards to, to keep watch over it, which if people go on the boat, die, I don't really think you need guards. Anyways, there are guards at the boat, and they said they could see the specter of a headless man wandering around the deck. So they bounced. And then at that point, the company goes, nobody wants to be on the boat. Nobody even wants to guard the boat. And they scuttled it. And according to legend, sometimes you can still see the squando, the ghostly shape of the squando out in the San Francisco Bay. Fascinating ghost story. The question was, and going back to the tubular, we'll call this from now on the tubular mold theory. Is there information that's missing to make the story make sense? I had to really dig into this one. Really, really dig into this one. Now, there's a lot of different variations of it. Some of them, the head is thrown overboard. There's no head put in a bucket. Some of the versions, the couple is not caught. They escape. They're never seen again. Some of the versions are that. It wasn't cursed because people died while the boat was being constructed. It was cursed because there was a woman on board for its first voyage, which apparently is a bad thing. And people were like, what? You brought a woman on board? This ship is cursed. And then that got retconned to people dying. But who knows which version is true. Most likely just the woman being on board. Just because it's more simple than everything else. But you also have to go. My first thing was, is this story true at all? Is this story true at all? And it's just all these little legends. So, and I honestly spent a, a long amount of time trying to research this one. And it's really, real. it's still kind of up in the air. The boat itself did exist, but I found an interesting detail. If you go to, if you go, let's go to Bathurst. Let's go to Bathurst, New Brunswick. We're going to take the rabbit rowboat. We're going to sail over there. We're going to do CSI as in sea scene investigation. Sea like the ocean. Anyways, so we're there and we hop off the rabbit rowboat. We're meeting some old salty people. Horses are constantly licking them. They're like, get away, get away. We're like, so what do you know about this boat? And this old salty man sits down on a snail, immediately dissolves him, and then he sits down in a chair, as he should, and he goes, yes, there is a boat called the Squando, or there was a boat called the Squando, and yes, it was in Bathurst, but there's no verification that it was ever in the Embarcadero. It was no verification that it was on the West Coast in San Francisco, not saying that it wasn't, because British Columbia, I think Bathurst is up in British Columbia, it's all on the West Coast, but... The idea of this murder taking place in San Francisco couldn't find any record of it. You'd seem like that would be a really, really sensational murder. Husband and wife team up to kill wife's lover, head found in bucket under bed. News at 11. Page 11, because there was no television back then. So why don't we have any record of that? So you're thinking, well, it must be fake. Tubular mold theory. The detail is missing because it doesn't exist, right? There is an issue of the Chatham Gazette. uh, There is an issue. December 10th. 1887, so three years before the story supposedly took place in 1890 in San Francisco Bay, 1887, the Chatham Gazette, the little newspaper over there, and it says the boat was stuck in the mud over in Bathurst, and it was the storm had hit, knocked it into this muddy bank, and the article goes on to say that some guy bought it for forty dollars, and they're going to salvage it, break it up, sell the wood or whatever. So you're like, it was never over there. The story must be fake. If there's a news article three years before the story supposedly took place, then someone just found out about a boat that was scuttled and created a myth. The article in the Chatham Gazette, December 10th, 1887, starts off with the sentence, No more will Bathurst be agitated by the headless ghost of the haunted squando. And then it goes on to say, the boat was stuck in the mud because of a storm, and some guy bought it for 40 bucks. They begin scuttling it, they begin taking it apart. And then the last sentence of the article says, The men engaged in the work were somewhat surprised to find, in between the timbers of the vessel, a bucket and an old metal axe. So, is the story true? Fascinating fascinating little detail that's from a news article so and there's nothing else every time you look for this boat it tells you this story about something that happened in san francisco It's very sensational and detailed and the boat had all this stuff and the other captains and the mutiny and the gypsy curse and all that stuff but we can go back to three years before that story ever happened 1887 and find this article and they're like yeah remember that headless ghost walking around bathurst haunting us don't got to worry about it anymore That's all... Who knows? This is a fascinating story because there's enough detail to make me think that at least the legend is true. It's not something that was passed around on the internet. At least the legend was true. But the truth of the headless ghost, the bucket, the axe, we have all these details that most likely are true. And then it got transformed into this story that's super detailed that takes place in San Francisco. What was in the bucket? Was the axe used to murder someone? Was there really a headless ghost walking around the deck of that boat? And over the years, the story's just become this super detailed, fake haunting, but based on a real-life ghost. Let's save the other ghost boat story for tomorrow. I've actually run out of time on that one. Um, So that was an anticlimactic conclusion. Tomorrow, though, we have another ghost boat story that's fascinating in the same way and, again, found enough news articles, found proof, that this story may also be just as true. There really may be at least one ghost boat still haunting the San Francisco Bay. We'll talk about that tomorrow on Dead Rabbit Radio. radio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.